I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity, auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection Podcast. Hot topic today in the API space, uh, API security, right? Uh, we hear stories, seems like every other week, about some kind of API-related exploit that happens. And as we know, APIs seem to be in the front of all the software now, and software is in front of all the things. So uh, it's certainly a problem du jour. So uh, we got, I think, a fantastic guest to help us address this subject as certainly in uh, our day jobs at Stoplight. Uh, you know, it's not always the thing we're best at. Uh, so we've got uh, Giora Enga from um, Neosec. Uh, so Giora, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, and by the way, often co-host here, uh, Anna, uh, uh, here again, and thank you for that. So Giora, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, thank you for uh, having me today. I'm, uh, I'm Giora. I'm uh, a founder and, and CEO of a company called Neosec uh, in, in the API security space. Uh, you know, previously, in like my previous life, I started as a more, more on the uh, offensive side, uh, then, uh, you know, I kind of invented the uh, area called XDR in cybersecurity. It's more on the enterprise security side. And now right. recent I'm, years... I'm going to pick on you, Kiora. Yeah. Every time I talk security, guys, in API design, acronyms are our enemy uh, because it's, uh, you know, there's implied meaning. So what the heck is XDR for listeners? Yeah, XDR is basically the ability to detect and respond threats on, uh, uh, you know, endpoints and, and servers and machines. Uh, this is, you know, kind of what replaced antiviruses in like modern enterprise environments uh, these days. So interestingly, I think, you know, the enterprise security space is kind of, you know, very well known to security people, but application security and APIs are a very new frontier and everything is, you know, seems to be happening there right now. Uh, so so that, that's kind of what brought me to, to that space uh, a few years ago. Cool. Well, uh, I certainly have seen that same kind of trend. I feel like the the history of uh, of security around kind of applications is generally has been thought as like, you know, it's the network boundary, right? We control the network and everything's fine. But because of the way that APIs seem to drive deeper into the infrastructure than, uh, and in a more automatable way, uh, it's opened up a new kind of vector of threats. So, I mean, what are you guys starting to look at uh, to, to grapple with these things? So I think I'll start with the fact that from, you know, from an attacker's perspective, uh, things are very different today compared to like, you know, 10 years ago. We used to hear about all these breaches where, you know, somebody compromised one of the employee's devices and, you know, laterally moved inside the network and, you know, found some servers in your data center. Today, things are very different. If you look at any organization, even kind of, uh, you know, large organizations, everything that they build today is application environments and APIs that are by design exposed to the outside because they need to expose some kind of service or, or partnership or, or something like that. So, so all of a sudden, you're kind of exposing everything to the outside by design. And uh, from a security perspective, most security teams don't even have a, an idea of, of, you know, what is the inventory of APIs, like, you know, where to start uh, from. And uh, so, so on one hand, it poses like many new challenges. On the other hand, it's more structured than before. It's not just isolated servers that you know, pop up in different places. So, so there's, uh, I think there's hope, you know, to, to do it better and, and, you know, more holistically this time. So... Uh you know that I, th I think in in my world at least around kind of api stuff it seems like there's always the focus on kind of the engineering side of things but i'm curious from kind of more the business side of you know how this is invested in how it's looked in and, and maybe some of the differences between the kinds of 
API connectivity and relationships that go on. Um, you know, do you see that there are kind of differences there? Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, it looks very different on on the security side. Uh, first, because you know, the security team doesn't really develop the API, so they're they're kind of one step removed from the process. Um, but it's more than that. Even the developers that develop the code of the APIs, they don't see the API actually, you know, used in practice, like in in production, so much. Like most of the development lifecycle happens before it hits production, and then you know, there there are very few people uh, that, that even see that, you know, what happens in production. You know, typically, these are the DevOps people. But you know, DevOps is more focused on the infrastructure. It's not necessarily you know, thinking or you know, they don't have the tools to, to look into what's going on inside the application, how it's used, um, and, and in some cases, being abused, right? So, uh, so, so I think that the, the problem starts with, you know, with the, the lack of visibility on how these APIs are used. These APIs that open you know, that portal to our, to our core business, how, how they're used in practice. Yeah. So, um, what I mean, and I see this too. Like the you know uh, DevOps folks get a call and go, "Hey, you know that the API is broken," and they're like, ah, "Okay, like the the cluster is running, right? <laughs> what else do I do?" So, like, what do you see bridging the gap between kind of the more infrastructure operation side of things versus the kind of the development world around mm-hmm. APIs? So, so I think I'll use um. Uh, you know, a, a typical stack that you know that, that many companies use. So typically, you have some kind of uh, you know uh, gateway to the outside it can be a CDN or something of that kind, and then you have a, an API gateway that is typically some some infrastructure that you use internally to to manage your APIs. Um, and you know that, that API gateway is another layer of proxy, typically that has some policies and you know some. Uh, some configuration, but and by the way, the, the API gateway is, is maintained by uh, the, the dev or DevOps team. I mean, it's more on the dev side, part of the operation of the API. Now, the problem is that even if you implement an API gateway, you don't necessarily have an inventory of all the APIs. You just have a configuration that routes, you know, some domains in a certain way and so on. But you can do some rate limiting; that's fine. Uh, but beyond that, you don't really have an inventory of what actually the APIs are. So even on the developer side, unless you're the developer that specifically wrote the code of a specific API. You don't really have a picture of, of you know what is the inventory of these APIs. Now, if you think about it from the security side, you know they, they may have access to some logs from you know from some components, but you know without more context, it's really hard to know you know what to do with that data, especially if you don't have the inventory, you don't even know what to look for. So this is really the starting point. I think for for many teams, uh, it's really all about uh, discovering APIs, and this is kind of a, a term that is recently uh, used in, in this context. And it means basically creating an inventory, documenting it, and you know make, making sure that our inventory is up to date because these APIs change all the time. That's kind of the first step. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's an implicit thing said in there, uh, which is important to point out. You know, broadly speaking, I think in the testing world, this has been a theme for a long time. And in a lot of other practices, it's starting now is like, how do we shift things left? Mm -hmm. So if we assume that the right side is you've got an application running in production and the left side is ideation, right? You're going to go create something that early as you can, take stock of what it is that you mean to build. And to your point, kind of build that catalog, that inventory. I mean, uh, you know, uh, certainly in our day-to-day at Stoplight, that's, you know, always hot on our minds. We kind of end up being that source of truth a lot of times. But um, I mean, what other kind of, you know, tools, techniques, uh, approaches uh, do you see that it's kind of doing that the right way? And and I guess, honestly, like, how do you guys at NeoSec fit into that picture? Yeah. So I mean, typically on the developer side, uh, you know, when you develop uh, modern microservices, uh, you know, RESTful APIs and so on, uh, you use uh, Open API specs to to describe them. Uh, sometimes you can even do it before uh, writing the API so that you can actually agree on the interface before. 
So that, that is useful for a lot of, of different purposes and, and also good for documentation purposes. The reality, though, is that over time, the APIs shift and change. And, you know, the documentation doesn't always, you know, change with, with the APIs. Um, so, so the first step that, um, uh, that we help solve is, uh, you know, creating that inventory dynamically and always comparing to the well-known documentation. So if, mm-hmm. if we find something that is not uh, already documented, we can, you know, flag it as something that is not documented. Typically, I mean, what we see in practice is that typically there are, there are whole services that are not documented because, I mean, there's typically more focus on documenting APIs that are supposed to be used by other developers, but less focus on, on documenting, for example, admin interfaces or other, other interfaces that are really inherent, but uh, you know, not necessarily needed by others. So you know, there is less, less focus on that. Or you know, older APIs, um, if it's not RESTful, it's typically hard to document uh, in the same way. Uh, you know, the tools don't really uh, work the same way. Even though it's possible, it's kind of hard. So, so we, we take the, the approach of, by observing the traffic, we can actually recreate all the documentation and also yeah. compare it to existing documentation. Then just to kind of complete the, the picture, we also look for vulnerabilities, you know, misimplementations, uh, you know, um, uh, misconfigurations and deployment issues with the APIs, uh, and also look for, uh, uh, for behavioral anomalies. So this is kind of monitoring how the APIs are being used by the clients Typically, these are external clients, but it can also be east-west APIs. Um, and finding cases where the APIs are abused or not used, uh, you know, in, in a good way, uh, you know, which can lead to data leaks and, and other uh, other types of problems. I'd love to hear more about those types of problems, right? Well, we always talk about how a well-designed API uh, prevents some of those security issues, but we need to talk more about what mm-hmm. those are so developers understand the risks. Yeah. So I, actually, I may, maybe I'll start with something that is almost an, an oxymoron. I, I think. You know, well-developed RESTful APIs, like, you know, let's say you, you develop, a, you know, a new environment based on microservices, you do it right. So, so you actually develop a bunch of, of microservices that, you know, that give, that give very good access to the data. You don't want to, to create too much logic, you know, um, uh, on these APIs. The APIs are, are merely, a, 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 you know, a layer to access these data objects and, and create, you know, these different data manipulations. Uh, uh, opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I think I take issue with that one, but fair enough. I think it's uh, that's yeah, generally no, I mean, the I, assumption. Like, <laughs> in general strokes, bear with me for a second here, yeah, right? No, so, it's fine. Go ahead. I mean, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, naturally, you want to create the APIs in like in a generic way, uh, in, in generic enough so that they can be used for different, you know, nuances of how you want to to expose the APIs. And of course, you know, you, you have you know different permissions and roles and, and you know different different ways of of um, you know administer, administering the uh, uh, authorization model. Um, but but eventually your your APIs are really a, a, a more like an object model. But by the way, the, yeah. the most extreme use case is GraphQL, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a, like a like a, an open SQL query, uh, SQL like query uh, yeah. interface, uh, and it's very useful because then your your client code can shift and change, um, and you don't need to change the APIs all the time. So, so this yeah. is like on on one hand, this is kind of the driving force. On, on so so then the the the, um, the most common abuse cases are actually ones that don't look like abuse. Basically, it's, you know, it's using the APIs in a way that is technically okay. It's authorized, you know, it, it, you know, it's not using a vulnerability even, but if you're scraping data, let's say you're accessing too many objects. Um, and, and sometimes, by the way, it's a mistake. Let's say you're, you're um, uh, let's say you're some kind of a, you know, medical uh, uh, provider or medical payer, and, you know, one, one of your partnerships is another hospital that needs to access, you know, the, the data in order to provide treatment, right? So, I mean, they could implement it in a way that actually takes all the records to their side, does some processing, and then, you know, does something with the data. Or they can just retrieve, you know, one specific record that they need. So, you know, of course, in, in, you know, a simple mistake like that that is beyond your, your control as the API author, uh, you know, can really expose the data. 
So these are typically the, you know, the, the um, a lot of cases that we see are, are, are these cases. Of course, if, if your other party gets compromised, then the APIs can, can also be used against you. Like if you're, if you have a payment platform, um, and you're, let's say you're a payment provider and you have merchants transacting on your platform, then if one of the merchants gets compromised, then all, you know, all the, all the data and transactions that, uh, you know, at least that that merchant has access to can be compromised, reversed, or, or you know, sabotaged, or, and, and so on. So that, that's kind of a clear use case where the APIs technically are, are used in, in a way that is authorized and, and clean, but, but you know, because of account takeover, uh, it can be used against you. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I've harped on for years uh, that I think is a pretty good expression of this example uh, that's actually design related uh, in how you think about the API is uh, like sequential identifiers that are in the database being exposed in your design. In the event that someone's compromised, you've just built an easy way to sort of write a very simple script to just roll through and grab them all. So are you looking for things like that, like sequential kind of, you know, yeah. and plus one calls to go grab a whole tree of data? This, this is a common vulnerability that we call, uh, you know, enumerable parameters. I mean, this is kind of a fancy name for basically saying that, uh, you know, most of the parameters that you use that way should not be sequential, uh, that are easy to guess. That, that's on top of other controls, that, you know, other authorization controls that you need to, to implement. But uh, yeah, typically, um, you know, typically when you use values like that, it's better that, that they're not sequential. Yeah. Um, but, but still, you know, I'll... I'll uh, you know, make it even harder because, you know, in a, in a lot of platforms, if you are the, you know, the right client that is supposed to have access to these objects, there are typically APIs that would give you the list of objects that you have access to mm -hmm. because of, you know, good reasons, right? So, so then like if your credentials get compromised, then, you know, that, that attacker, that, you know, that, uh, um, that actor can at least get access to your objects. They don't necessarily need to guess uh, the numbers. They already are authorized. They can ask yeah. the system for the numbers. Yep. Um, which, by the way, for listeners, the easy solution to this is, you know, some form of like UUID, GUID kind of stuff is generally the right answer to avoid, you know, don't put your database identifiers over the over HTTP, right? It's just, it leads to all kinds of bad things. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, is, this, is this a case for, for putting security type of standards into your style guide? I, I would say that, yeah, there's, um, there are maybe two implications here. One is that um, th there are a lot of, uh, of security guidelines that, that you should take into account when designing APIs. But the other side of it is that you need to accept the fact that, uh, you know, because you're designing flexible microservices, you're inherently giving, you know, more access than absolutely needed, uh, you know, for, uh, for a particular, particular service. I mean, as, as opposed to monolithic applications that, that kind of hide all that business logic and, you know, and, and let you do very specific operations, the APIs are, you know, inherently exposed a little bit more. And therefore, I think it's not enough to just find vulnerabilities and fix them. You also need to be able to see how the API is being used and take, take an action if it's used you know, beyond what you think it should, be, uh, it should be used. Like for example, you know, if accessing multiple objects is a problem, um, you need to, to have good monitoring beyond rate limiting because you know, rate limiting only takes you that far. Um, you know, people can still you know, access a lot of objects over time. Uh, so you need to have some controls to, to tell you how, you know, how it's being used, how many objects over time, if it's, you know, if there are some anomalies or, or, or you know, misuse of, of the APIs. Yeah, well said. And I guess, you know, some of this where uh, there, there's a predicate here, an idea that we're talking a lot about authorized access to data, which I think in kind of the B2B world in, and certainly my world in most of my career has always been true. There's certainly another subset out there of like more kind of B2C oriented things that you don't have all those same problems. Um, but like, are there different problems in those kind of spaces? 
Yeah, so I think I think you know it's really interesting that you know APIs are, are uh, uh, kind of a technology layer, and it's used both in B two B and B two C use cases. So you know B two C just to make it uh, tangible is you know typically when you write a web application or a mobile application, you, you expose APIs that you know in modern environments you typically expose it as APIs that expose the data and the objects, and then there's a layer. Uh, of like a user interface, um, you know, in, in web or mobile that accesses these APIs. So these these are B two C, and uh, you know they're, they're naturally over time it's more and more relying on APIs. And and you know we we spoke about some of the problems, but in B two B APIs, the client is is a, is actually another typically another organization and, and another service that that accesses your data. So it's like a headless application in, in a sense. And B two B B two B APIs actually have more challenges. I I wanted to highlight a few of them. But, one challenge of B2B applications is the fact that um, there are many more of these. Like, you know, imagine that you're, uh, you know, a financial services company or, you know, whatever, whatever type of company you are, you know your web applications. You have typically a few. Um, they, they might be very detailed, but, you know, there are a few web applications that are very well known. But, you know, B2B interfaces, you can have hundreds and hundreds of them because, you know, every partner that you have is a little bit different. So, so it, it brings a lot of nuances. Now the other the other one is that you know when you author uh, client applications you have you know that trick of of stepping up authorization like you know asking somebody to uh, to type an, uh, you know an SMS code um, that is sent you know through a different channel that way you can uh, you can make sure that it's actually a person on the other side and that they have access to their phone but when you author B two B APIs you actually don't have any control over the client it's another implementation you don't even know what, you know the, the the exact implementation and you have to provide them with tokens that work in the background over time uh, so you can't really uh, you know revert to uh, you know to using that uh, that trick yeah. um, so these are kind of you know these are common challenges and, and by the way the, the the last challenge that is very common is that uh, and, and that, that is common for microservice environments in general is that microservices unlike monolithic applications uh, can't really have too much uh, uh, too much of the holistic context because you know they're designed in a way that if a microservice gets an authorized request, it needs to fulfill it. Um, th that's how you can you can create uh, uh, you know more modularity and you know, more more, uh, more ways of, of using your APIs. And you know this is all good design, but it, it makes it harder to monitor. So that's yeah, that's the sure. uh, that's kind of the, the need for monitoring comes from there. Well, you know, I, I wore my uh, my black hat uh, with a stoplight logo uh, <laughs> in honor of our security discussion today. Uh, but what I will say is I feel like when we get into these discussions around security, it's just, it's a big onion that we're all trying to peel. There's so many layers and so many things to think about, you know, and, uh, but any closing thoughts for us here on, uh, you know, kind of where you guys are going or what folks should think about? Yeah, I think, um, one of my takeaways is that, you know, if you already, uh, you know, have a, some kind of API strategy and an API gateway, and uh, that's a great way to start, you know, the, the API security journey. Um, in, in most organizations, the security team, you know, is very much in, in you know in line with the program. And, and when it comes to API security, their you know their their goal is not to uh, to kind of stop you from developing your APIs. The goal is is actually to help ensure that you know the API can be used safely over time, and that you can build more more and more APIs. So they're actually, I mean, from what we learned, the security team is actually interested in uh, you know in, in getting access to that data so that they can help even promote you know the use of of gateways and, and so on. And that visibility that the security team wants actually helps the developers in the end of the day. Because if you can have that visibility, you can then you know see what, you know how it's used. You can find even you know you can even debug your system that way uh, better than you would uh, today. Because you know if your logs are better, if your visibility is better, you can actually do more with the data. Uh, so this is you know a clear case where there is a win-win between the security and, and developer teams. Beautiful. Well, you know the one time I forget to ask the one question, I always ask, how do you get started? And uh, 
you already just had the great enough sense to, to tell listeners exactly that. So really appreciate your kind of openness and sharing, uh, you know, your expertise on the subject. I know everybody's hungry for learning how to peel the onion of API security. <laughs> so thanks a lot for being on today. And Anna, thanks for uh, helping co-host as usual. Anytime. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, Look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.